Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper, you are Live from the Path. Two live from the path, recording from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. I, you know, I never checked to see whether I could. There's an improper part of Johnston. <laughs> I don't know. I think the outskirts have been swallowed up by other uh, suburb Lower things. Beaver, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's improper. We, mm-hmm. we we live mostly in the improper area. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Where the, the broadcast uh, the broadcast studio as well as Dan's house are in the improper area, Johnston. Yes. Yeah, all right, fair enough. All right, here we go. We got code on the show tonight. Hey, so I came across, I don't even remember where I saw this article, but it was a, um, it was, so, oh, I know, it was, it was on, um, it came up on my news feed. Oh, that boy, I get a, I, I started using the Google News app. I mean, I get some weird stuff that shows up there. Greg Hudson, what do you stuff? use for a news app? Do you, do you, do you, no, I just have a, a, just a series of 12 websites that I go to daily just to kind of double check some stuff. So I, I decide the side. I don't let Google tell me. Oh, you don't. You don't use think. a curated list. You no. go through and pick stuff out. Okay. I do. Okay. Fair enough. Dan, uh, d- how do you take in the news? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a little on the radio. A little on the. Uh, I'm more of a Fox News guy than like a CNN guy. Right. Because I get mad at the CNN CNN people, and uh, I sometimes get mad at the Fox people too. But. Uh, yeah, I'm mostly mostly probably radio driving around. Okay. And, and some Everyone stuff on the web. CNN people. Everyone gets mad at the CNN people. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> so anyway, I got so an article came up, and it was the the title of the article was why we need to challenge the culture of monogamy. And I thought, boy, I like uh, I, I didn't realize this was a discussion that was going on out mm-hmm. there. Although I, I I swear that I saw something very similar come up either last year or like three years ago like a, a strong discussion about this yeah. and so I started perusing the article um, and I have some strong reactions to it as you might imagine mm-hmm. um, but, but I was just interested in your guys' thoughts um, are, there, are there any are there any things to seed here um, or basically how should we, how do you react if, if you were talking to someone let's um, say coffee shop style and they said hey check this out here are my thoughts on monogamy good friend of yours like I don't know how do you react to such a thing so well, I'll go. I'll read the article, and we can kind of talk through the premise and, and, and see if we can glean some wisdom there. Sure. Um, and then what else did I? I re- oh, I know. So we were finishing um, a study in Axis last week, and uh, so there was something just like it was almost a throwaway thing that happened uh, with Paul. He's he's on his way to Rome, and like this is after they after they get done kind of crashing the boat and make their way onto land. And they're they're walking up. He's he's walking up on his way from like Naples up to Rome, and the the brothers that are in Rome like hear about him, and they come and they come to visit. And like, um, so I, I, it was it was super cool though because he says uh, they come to meet him, and it says, and Paul was encouraged, and then he just kept right on trucking. And it was like on in the grand narrative acts, it's like a very small thing, but like I, I kind of hung on that for a while, and I walked away with like two major. I don't know, two major things that I thought I need to do more of 
um, and have a kind of a greater reliance on in relation to that very thing. And so I'll um, I'll talk about that too. I mean, see if you guys can let me know. Like, does that does that ring true for you, or do you do you feel like uh, I'm pulling too much out of something small? Uh, but we'll we'll hit that briefly. And then um, and then we do have some advice uh, from Dear Life from the past. People got problems. Uh, I did not prove them, but we'll we'll see, pull some stuff out of the old mailbag and we'll see what happens. Okay, right on. Uh, all right. So anyway, let, let's start with this article. So this is from Vice.com. Um, the title of the article was Why We Need to Challenge the Culture of Monogamy. Um, relationship norms are so pervasive they've led to flawed science. It says this, as someone who identifies as polysexual, uh, and I'm not uh, Greg Hudson, definition? I believe, uh, well, should I put it delicately? or just, hey, It's internet radio, multiple, just keep multiple, yourself Christian. <laughs> multiple sexual partners. Okay, fine. I think that's going to be it. Okay, all right. <laughs> Hanging out there. All right, she, uh, vis- knocks on many doors. That, oh, that was the filter that went through my head when I read that word. I thought, sure. Okay, yeah, okay yeah. good. They get around. Yes. She says, uh, I've often experienced negativity from those who don't think outside of how, re- how their relationships function. At times, this judgment has come from those close to me. You're just slutty. Or your man is okay with that, really? Are things I've heard over and over again. Not to mention the times people have tried to rat me out to my primary partner for what they think is cheating. Because of these kinds of reactions to who I am, I've always felt that our society isn't built for people like me. And according to newly released research, it turns out the norm of monogamy is so pervasive it extends past the realm of our social interactions and into the field of science. Oh, these people just want everyone to be polyamorous is one of many negative sentiments researcher Terry Conley of the University of Michigan heard when she submitted a study for review that contained positive findings about consensually non-monogamous relationships. When researchers present results that show that monogamous relationships are better than non-monogamous relationships, they are perceived as less biased and as better scientists than if you have the nerve to present data that shows that non-monogamous relationships are better. Conley, who studies gender and sexuality, told Vice, if you do that, you are perceived as being biased and a worse scientist overall. Vice reached out to Conley to talk about the resistance she's come up against in her research and about the strong roots of monogamy in Western culture. So, like, uh, it, sounds like it sounds to me like the core premise is to say um, we can't even study this thing fairly because in the Western mind, uh, monogamy is thought as inherently better. And so we are interpreting data through a false lens um, because we carry that uh, strongly carry that bias with us. Does that sound like the core accusation here? Yes. Yeah, that, that's like their, this person's interpretation of the interpretation, though. I mean, could, she'll throw words around like science and data, and then and then say she doesn't like how it's interpreted. Well, well data doesn't lie, right? I mean, the data is the data. Yep. You, you know, so I, I well, see, I'm, I'm probably proving her point. I'm already bent against her thinking, well, you're just trying to bend <laughs> us toward you. And I'm thinking, no, you're wrong. So, yeah, so, so I think the one of the core things, because, I mean, that's a right thing to consider, right? Is there an inherent bias in the way that we are looking at data? Mm-hmm. But one of the, you have to be careful when uh, you say, like, we find this, this is pervasive, I mean, the possibility certainly is that it's pervasive because it's accurate, right? Right. Like right. just because it's it happens all the time doesn't mean that everyone is blind. It could actually be that most of the most of the people are looking at it correctly, and you're not. All of these people are saying one plus one is two. I think it's three. They're just biased. It's like no one one plus one still equals two. I mean, that's right. You, That's know, right. You, you know, you're just trying to justify your a lifestyle that you're you're living. Right. So just because we use the words, and, and here's the deal: this is the, this is not even getting into what her reaction to the data is. This is just in in general. Just because something is pervasive, or just because you use words like pervasive, which have a they do have a negative connotation to it. No one says, "Hey, ice cream is pervasive here." <laughs> uh, they say, "We got a lot of ice cream," <laughs> and so. Um, 
Like you've actually done that. You've built in. You've taken w- w- uh, a case that tries to make a, a, a scientific case for something, uh, and you've actually loaded it up um, with the way that you're describing. And so, um, yeah, I think I think people need to recognize their own biases. And I might start with you. Uh, and just recognize that I have some, but I, like I'm biased in a way because I believe it's true. I've already established some things in my life, and I just believe these things. And yeah, I will look at them through that bent because I, like I stopped arguing about that a long time ago. This is my lens. <laughs> so uh, anyway, here's it. They asked her some questions. She said, "Why? Why did you decide to get involved in this type of research?" She says, "I was interested initially in how the prospect of being in a relationship could lead to negative health behaviors and sexual health behaviors, specifically not using condoms." As I got further into it. I didn't really get the sense that relationships were bad, even though my research was showing that when you're in a relationship, you're rest- less likely to practice safer sex. So I thought I should dig a little deeper than that. As I thought about it more, I thought maybe it isn't relationships per se that are causing people to avoid condoms or not practice safer sex, but it's a monogamous agreement. Over time, I decided I should focus on how monogamy can have negative implications for sexual health. Uh, so I, I kind of want to stop there. Like This is where um, I, I, was, I was reading through the article and I thought, okay, maybe I can learn something. I'm looking at things in a potentially a skewed banner, and then I got here, and I, I, I frankly couldn't get past this premise. Yeah. Did anything else jump out at anybody? No, oh, I think, the, I think the, uh, the evidence that she brings forth that, what does it say right here? Uh, oh, uh, even though my research was showing that when you're in a relationship, you're less likely to practice safer sex, I think, and I think this is going to speak to the heart of what we're going to talk about later on the argument here, all right, if there's an understanding between a monogamous couple, that you two will remain uh, faithful to one another, true to one another here, uh, there's literally no reason to practice safer sex. I mean, in the sense that, in, in the sense of, excuse me, I want to be careful about this, uh, in the sense of worrying about STDs, sure. worried about sexual transmission, I'm not talking about pregnancy, things like that. I'm really referring just to uh, sexually transmitted infections. And uh, barring some extreme circumstances, I mean, you know, we have always heard about uh, blood transfusions, things like that, that go on, go on awry, and diseases can be transferred in that way. But basically, for 99 out of 100 people here, if you're in a monogamous relationship, and uh, neither of you have an STI to begin with, uh, you are less likely to practice safer sex, but that doesn't make the research valid that you're doing regarding that. So that kind of jumped out to me. Yeah, so, so and I guess I, I would even challenge in that situation mm-hmm. that we'd even stop using the term safer sex. It's not unsafe. Yeah. Right, it's right. not unsafe for my wife and I to have unprotected sex. Right. It isn't. We, neither of us have said, said STIs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, w- w- are the choices we make around... Um, how we practice uh, either wanting to get pregnant or not are, are a legitimate conversation among couples. But, like, uh, it's, it's not fair to quantify what we do as unsafe. Mm. There's, nothing, there's nothing unsafe about it. And so, like, to even label it that is like, oh, well, and when you're in a monogamous relationship, you don't practice safe sex. I'm like, well, I, I, I would reject the <laughs> definition of what's safe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And that's, and frankly, I, I couldn't get past it because I thought like yeah. like there's this this whole loaded section is about hey like um it's causing people to have unsafe sex and I thought well good night I just I'm just I'm not with you I can't even agree to the definition of why this isn't safe we've been doing it for years it's been fine <laughs> can't agree on the starting facts it's gonna <laughs> yeah. make this conversation more difficult yes yes yeah all right so um he says I uh, I decided I should focus on how monogamy can have negative implications for sexual health I did a study initially where we said non-monogamous people were more likely to practice safer sex in their encounters. Outside their primary relationship. So, so here's the thing is, is, again, you're using words weirdly. What you're saying is, is that you're putting yourselves in situations of which the sex is implicitly more risky, 
of which you then must take additional steps to try to make it safer. You know what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. like you, it's not, it's not fair to say, hey, I, we are safer because we are having sex with multiple people. You've actually introduced risk into your sex life because you're having sex with multiple people. Um, people if, that if you're not in a monogamous relationship for it, like, potentially you do not know as much about them. Uh, and it brings risk that otherwise I don't have having been married to my wife for 15 years. And so like, uh, again, it's just, if we want to deal with data and facts here, that's fantastic. That's not what we're doing though. Like this is not a, this is not a factual conversation that she's having. Certainly. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we had someone talk about how they thought it was irresponsible to promote. Uh, hold on a second. And also. Oh, yeah. We, we met a huge amount of resistance for those findings from reviewers. Basically, the implication that it's safer. Um, people are having safer sex outside of monogamous relationships. We had someone talk about how they thought it was irresponsible to promote this. We had someone talk about how we knew we know gay male relationships deteriorate into non-monogamy. We're like deteriorate. That's a really loaded word. Yes, I feel like you'd be familiar with the loaded words. Because people had such a negative reaction to it, I thought we should study it more. We continued to find a level of animosity in reviews that was unparalleled by other research I've done, even that on other sexuality topics. And so again, like if you're saying like people are having such a negative reaction, it's because you're not you're not really telling the truth here. Mm-hmm. Like like you've because of the, the words you've choose uh, the words you've chosen uh, to describe the situation and uh, what I would consider a poor definition of safe sex, um, yeah, that's why they're having a bad reaction. It's not because, oh, I implicitly hate – like, I, there's reasons that I, I think you should not be in a, a polyamorous situation. Um, but it's not because I'm not I'm, – if I'm redacting to the data cleanly, it's because the data tells me that you actually shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> it's a risk to you. All right. Um, so it continued and said, what sort of negative terms do you see coming in, coming up in scientific studies that show a bias against non-monogamy? So I don't think anyone was intentionally being hostile. It's just they were created with a monogamous frame. There's the one thing I can agree to. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes, they were indeed created, and they do have that bent in them. Uh, Literally created. That's what I'm saying. Like Literally. She has unintentionally said something that I completely agree with. Congratulations <laughs> to her. Uh, even just the general structure of relationship scales is about your partner being singular. Singular. So if you are in a consensually non-monogamous relationship where you have more than one partner, you already are having to make a choice. What partner should I talk about? Oh, they're talking about how you go about the study. Like you have to choose somebody. If you have like three and you have to answer a question on behalf of your partner, then you have to select one. And so they're saying even the way that you framed questions uh, causes you not to be able to answer honestly or holistically, which is true. That is a problem when you're collecting data, right? If you've assumed a norm and you're not asking questions that fit within that, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, I would agree with that, that that would be a bias in the question. Uh, I think the, the right reaction to that would be, do, do I care? Um, I, I'm, am I asking the question within the confines of a monogamous relationship? I don't consider, like, is it possible that the vast majority of people don't consider your multi-partner relationship um, something that they're they're looking for insight on, and so they don't particularly care to make that distinction, which is likely true. It's not a bias; it's just we don't don't care. It's not part. Of, it's not what they're looking for. Well, they, they don't think about it. There's this, and certainly through the lens of monogamy. I mean, but that's pretty much the entire argument the author is making here. We're all doing this through the lens of monogamy, and therefore we cannot really have an unskewed, non-biased opinion here because we're all going through the frame. Of and through the lens of something that she is really challenging at this point. I mean, that's yeah. the title of the argument. Yep. So uh, anything, any opinion that anybody has, uh, any opinion that anyone else has, automatically is almost invalid. So, so let me ask you this though: um, do we do we not run the same risks as followers of Jesus? 
it just just broadly, right? Like you you have a lens. You say, look, this this is the way that this is how the world works. This is this is the true way things are. Someone comes up and says, hey, I, like I got a, I think you're biased toward this thing. I mean, isn't the answer yeah? I mean, everyone's got bias. There's no one's completely neutral about anything. So the answer is partially yes, I would say. Because, but but I mean, I think the term using the term bias implies that it is a blindness as opposed to a willful choice. Mm. I am not biased mm. in the fact that I look at the world from a Christian worldview. I have studied the worldviews. Uh, I have come out saying this is the one that is true, and so I look at the world through that lens willfully, not because I'm um, blind to something else. It's because um, from from basically I've come to the decision that this is the way to look at it. And so I think that is a difference is that the way that she uses bias implies that, that you just we don't, you just don't recognize, which I think is true in, in some of the questions and stuff that she was talking about. But like um, I think you got to be real careful that you don't let that that word jump out of a cage and run the streets and be something that it's Deliberate not. Deliberate versus unknowing. Yeah. 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 OK. Um, yeah. All right. Um, let's, oh, oh, so she, she mentioned even the term cheating is used academically and infidelity and all these words that are fairly loaded. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose you're not cheating if you've given open permission. Yes, that's. I think that was her point, yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which I suppose that then just doesn't apply. We would see the term non-consensual, non-monogamy <laughs> as being more neutral alternative. <laughs> Sorry, I laughed at that phrase. That's funny. Uh, I mean, it's not going to fit on a bumper sticker, but it's certainly got a little je ne sais quoi to it. Um, no doubt. There's also the offended party who would have been cheated on. I just felt like we're not approaching the topic of cheating very scientifically if those are the words we're using. Also true. I mean, again, if you're asking from a scientific thing, uh, the, the cheating implies an emotion. It implies um, a reaction to the monogamous relationship that maybe didn't, didn't exist. So, like, there is something here. The question is whether it's a relevant relevant to the conversation and whether anybody cares. She seems to be thinking in a non-scientific uh, way, though, in this sense. I believe the argument that she's making is that uh, she's hanging out with one of her non-monogamous consensual partners, yeah. and then someone sees her out at a bar and is like, hey, what about Jimmy? Yeah. All right, hey, what about Jimmy? You're cheating here. So when she's like, hey, we need to talk about this more scientifically, the situations and scenarios that she's describing are <laughs> fundamentally non-scientific because yeah, they true. are social interactions right. when drinks are afoot. Uh, well, so, but I think she's saying that as we've, um, as relationships are studied, we are asking questions that um, otherwise exclude her from being able to answer correctly. And so, I mean, here's what's difficult. It's like if you're somebody who's created such a <laughs> such like a jacked up framework in your circumstance that then the questions no longer apply to you. Really, I'm not sure that's the problem of the normative questions. Like you, you seriously can't you can't word or gather data with such a wide open frame. Uh, to, to to like not have a parameter like you can if you're going to gather data like that really what you're saying is like hey look we want to hear from people who fit this criteria if you don't fit this criteria we're not saying that you're not a person or that whatever you're doing isn't going on mm. we're saying we don't care about it it's, <laughs> it's not what we're studying here and so because otherwise like think of the Dan, you've spent many years in ministry. Think of how people get themselves in trouble. Oh, right. Yeah, think right. of the wide range here. And yes. so, like, you'd never be able to answer to ask any qualitative uh, question. You'd always just to be like, the question is number one: What the heck were you thinking? What did you do really? And then, like, there could be a crazy expanse of answers. And so, like, you just can't gather data that way. And so, right. like, I mean, what she's saying may be noted. I'm just not sure it's all that relevant. 
or that it's not intentional. Like people aren't saying, I, I, I want to know everything. They're saying, look, we're asking questions about monogamous relationships. Mm. So she wants, she wants to clarify the questions better, right? I mean, like, yeah. she doesn't want to say, have you been cheating? She wants them to ask, how many partners do you have? Or something like that. That's right. That's right. I oh, mean, right. You know, and, and so she's really spending a lot of time being hung up on that when it's like, well, so, you know. I, th- I feel she's also trying to, I, I think she wants to, uh, besides needing some validation, I think she also mm-hmm. wants to have uh, her feet in multiple doorways here uh, in the sense of this. Uh, when you're dating <clears throat> in the world today, uh, chances are uh, you got multiple partners. You got multiple people you're dating. You're dating this person. You're dating this person. You're dating this person here. If you go on a date and uh, and sleep with someone, and then you go on a different date, sleep with another person here. Yep. In the in the casual dating sense, you're not cheating on anyone. I right. Mean, that's that's. I mean, in the in the worldly sense, that's just not happening. That's just you're not committed to one. Yeah, that's right. Just, yeah. Committed to you. So uh, it sounds like she just wants to be dating. But then she wants this label, well, I still have this uh, full-time like, partner or whoever it might be. But it sounds like all she really wants to do is date, all right, mm-hmm. with one of her dates being a little bit more significant than another. Just so you can answer the questions that they're asking on the scientific surveys a little bit more clearly. Yeah. What? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, oh, okay. the core of, that's core of the concern, I mean, right? She's saying yeah. basically how we collect data does sure. not represent me or people like me. And so you will always – now, here's, she's right in this. You will always then collect data that reaffirms a position um, that doesn't include that perspective. That's true. Mm-hmm. That is true. And it, it is a risk on how you collect data. And so it is a completely reasonable question of is this a relevant distinction? Um, but you have to be willing to accept that people will come back and go, no, we, we, don't, we don't actually care to know the details of that within the types of things that we're studying. Well, especially, I mean, I think practically, this is what I'm speaking about. Practically, in a realistic, in a very uh, straightforward fashion, what she's describing is exactly what I described. You just want to date a lot of people and maybe call one of those dates that you've been going on yeah. a more committed relationship here. And yet she wants to add another category and have research and data to really study this kind of category that's yeah. disgusting. That's right. When th- this, uh, practically speaking, it already exists. It already exists. Yeah. Just, I just like to go on dates with lots of different people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so, and, and, and this is kind of her, her niche. Like, she's like, well, we want to study it more and we want to ask the questions. Okay, great. Okay. I, I don't know that that causes me to say I need to rethink monogamy. Um, yeah. <laughs> she just wants to be considered more mainstream. Yeah. Is, seems to be her issue. You know, she, wants, she doesn't want to be the lower end of the data. Yeah, or the ignored party, the party that says, look, we actually don't care about your situation. It's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. Now, here's the thing. I, I, I think we can get that. I could totally get that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone wants the thing that you're doing. You don't want to feel like you are outside the of norm. the norm. Yeah. Um, so I, I totally get that desire. I mean, one of the questions you have to reasonably ask yourself is like, mm-hmm. hey, am I outside of the norm? And, it, and do, do, am I reacting to that in the proper way? Because, like, I mean, sometimes that's perfectly cool. And then sometimes, like, the norms are good. Like the norm is at the right barometer, and you're a little bit outside of it, and maybe it should cause you to think about what you're doing. And like, I mean, that's that's your that's your life, uh, brother, <laughs> to, to to react to how you want. But like, um, it's what you can't do is you can't um, you're not going to change the norm really unless you're trying to say uh, we just want to be represented in this. But like, people are so niche. Like, there's people are so unique in how in how they sin and how they serve and like all kinds of stuff like you're just not going to be able to represent everybody and all their uniquenesses in a data set like it's just, it's just like there's nothing that expensive that covers the the amount of um, eccentricities of people 
Um, she said, sometimes I felt like people, uh, or here's a question to her, sometimes I felt like people think there's a finite amount of love that you can give. That's to say they think that if you're seeing or sleeping with someone else, that means you love a primary partner less. And the reaction was, I'm amazed that we're generally finding that non-monogamous people are doing a little better in relationships. These are small sex, so I'm not saying that it's a way to go for everyone, but it's really kind of amazing given how much stress there is on any sort of non-traditional relationship. You've got stigma. You don't have a lot of norms to adhere to throughout the course of the relationship. Non-monogamous people are still doing well in these relationships, and they're happy. If anything, it's a sign of resilience among those communities. Again, so I got stuck here again. Huh. Great cousin. <laughs> Would you laugh at that? Oh, no. Continue, Bart. Uh, so I got stuck here again <laughs> because, like, um, I was super interested in this part. She says, oh, they're doing well. Great. What do you mean? Like, how do you – how do we gauge well? And that's, yeah. Frank, it would be a hard thing to, to say. surface level. That's right. It, it would be a difficult thing to answer. Uh, ignore monogamous, non-monogamous. It's just like for people – couples are doing well. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, how, how do we gauge – how people are doing well because that'd be super interesting and like um there there isn't anything qualitative here to say like hey there's an index that says you know um, their amount of jealousy or you know their comfortable comfortability with their partner hanging out with someone of the opposite sex or like whatever maybe i care about whether maybe i don't agree or disagree with how they measure it but like i actually don't even have a concept of how they're measuring it and how we came to the conclusion that actually it's better oh it says right here uh doing a little better in relationships is that not quantitative for you enough no, it is not. No, it is not. <laughs> it is not quantitative. Like, it says right here, a little better. Maybe but they just ask a guy. They they're say, not getting in arguments because they're just talking about the weather and Will and Grace. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're just they're, they're surface-level relationships, and, and you rarely have real problems with surface relationships because you just go the other direction. Eh, there's some conflict. I guess I'll go have sex with this person. That's right. You can just move on. Yeah. You don't have to resolve that. And by next week, you've forgotten about it. You can have lunch again, and it doesn't matter. And, and it doesn't and feel like a break because you weren't committed to them anyway, really. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I guess that would appear to be better. Okay. I don't know how much of a uh, long-range longitudinal study that we've done on this particular subject, though. So this little <laughs> better still seems a little shifty. It does. I mean, it's, it's just like you asked a guy and say, like, uh, uh, Mary and Brian and, and Ted and Craig, uh, how do you think your relationship amongst each other is doing? And they're like, well, a little better than Greg. <laughs> well, then, <laughs> check it off. I, I'm, I'm, Data. I'm, hopefully they've got something. <laughs> but, like, I, I would – it was at least grossly underrepresented here. It would be interesting. It would be super interesting to read. Uh, I, I'd be super. I'd be interested to see like what. How do you even measure yes. their sense of how well they're doing? And like, and if you're awarding extra points for not having norms and for um, there being a stigma to it, like that's not really fair. Like if you're saying, hey, we want to make sure that this is properly represented, and because we agree with their plight, we give extra points. It's like Mike scoring on Secular Solomon. Like it's not. This is not a fair <laughs> scoring system. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to skip a bunch of the stuff in the middle unless, unless anybody had anything that they had read in the article that they loved. No, it's all right. Okay. Uh, and was this concept of monogamy being ingrained in Western culture, um, does that come from religion or this idea of paternity? She says, I think it definitely comes from religion, but the interesting part is that it affects people who aren't religious. We as a culture are brought into the Judeo-Christian concern with paternity, and that has sort of fed into a culture of monogamy. But now people have a problem with extricating themselves from that cultural monogamy. It has become so pervasive that taking religion out of it by someone not being religious doesn't really take out the bias of monogamy. Hmm. Hmm. I, um, <laughs> I wonder – so here's, here's what I wonder about that is because the, 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 the thought then is, is that um, the religious framework has then – 
kind of set up this thought that monogamy is good. Yeah. Um, someone has obviously been proselytizing to the dolphins. Um, am I wrong? They are monogamous, right? I, I, dolphins? Yeah. Not the football team. The mammal. <laughs> sounds um, good. So anyway, uh, so so if the thought then is that, uh, so if that was true, I wonder why then, say, the religious culture has done so poorly at indoctrinating us on, say, staying married <laughs> after such a thing has occurred. Right, so like, like if that if that force is so strong that it's completely changed our understanding, that it is to blame, uh, if you want to use the word blame for our understanding of monogamy. Uh, how do we speak to its complete lack of uh, ability to sustain marriages in the culture? Well, that's more recent development, though. Too, I mean, you go back a hundred years, the divorce rate is not fifty percent. So, I mean, this is a fairly recent development from the 1960s, the sexual revolution, where no-fault divorces, and this is all part of societal uh, development over the last really sixty years. So, uh, I mean, it, it, still, it still applies. Yeah. But if we're talking about, she seems to be describing like the last 2,000 years, it's ingrained. Well, for 1,960 of those 2,000 years, yeah, it was pretty ingrained that monogamy, it's really been the last 60 years where things have changed a bit. So what you're saying is as we've added more partners, our happiness has decreased. I don't know. She said it was a little better. <laughs> a little better, Dan. I know, but that's what Greg <laughs> is saying. That. It, no, no. We started... Re, you know, the revolution mm-hmm. is when all the divorces started happening. I mean, yeah, I mean, that is... Maybe that that's is, when they figured out you could have multiple folk. They said, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm out with this thing. Multiple folk indeed. Does that, aren't they adding to the divorce count, these multiple folk? <laughs> I swear they're not getting married. Never mind. Yeah, but they I have, think... They are, here, this, is how, this is where the right definitions come in. They are having safer sex, and their relationships are more successful, successful because they're not getting divorced. Because they're not getting married. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Uh, there's a distinction. Uh, I don't. I was reading the article. I don't think she used the word polygamy one time. No, she is polysexual, uh-huh. but she didn't say polygamy here. Right, right. Which, and I think we have two different things. If we're talking about monogamy, there's two different ways to go. There's the monogamy and polygamy. Yeah. But she's not talking about that different dichotomy. We're talking about monogamy and polysexual attitudes, just multiple sexual partners. It appears that uh, she's not about the marriage. Like that's that's not right. what she wants. She wants. I don't even know. Ben, Dan, what do you think she wants here? I mean, let's, besides the data, and, and she wants to be studied. All right? I, I, think, yeah. I think that's that aspect. What else does she want? She just wants to feel good about her life choices of having sex with everything she can have sex with. Yeah, it, it reminds me of an article that came out just a couple days ago on, on foxnews.com uh, of uh, a gal who was, had, you know, was celebrating breaking away from purity. And actually, it seemed like I had read that a couple of years ago too, but it, but it's, it was dated two days ago. So, um, mm-hmm. and, and it was just this great celebration of, of you know this religion has suppressed us and and made us shame. It's a culture of shame. She kept saying, and how shameful people felt until you had to break through that and you didn't feel shame anymore with multiple partners and uh, outside of marriage. So, I, I think they're they're kind of related there. She just doesn't want to feel the shame, the guilt. I mean, perhaps, but that would be from other people here. I don't feel like she feels like personal shame for what she's doing here. I think there's some validation in there that she wants some validation, maybe. Maybe some scientific validation. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, I think she says she doesn't feel shame, but she really does. That's why she'll protest this too much. Maybe. Yeah. 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 I I don't know, but... Yeah, I mean, you're you're right. I don't think there's there's not a way of knowing. But, like, if you really didn't care... What everyone else thought, yeah. then why are we talking about 
you being upset about what everyone else thinks. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, um, I like like I said, sometimes sometimes living outside of the norm is a, is a lonely place, and it may be the right place to be. Um, some pla- like, and if you're if you're if you're firm that this is fine, um, and you don't need someone else's validation, then why are we then why are we seeking it? Um, and if you're just asking that, hey, we want to level the playing field and the data that we're getting. Um, I mean, again, I I, it's, I think it's an interesting discussion. I'm not sure it's a it's not all that relevant. Most people aren't in your situation; they're not asking the same questions. They simply don't care. Yeah. So, I, I'm I'm a practical guy. I like talking about what's happened on the ground. Yep. All right, let's not be in the clouds. What's on the ground here? So let's talk about uh, what does she want? So options. She wants to be married to multiple men. All right, so we got some polygamy. Maybe she wants that. I don't feel that's what she wants. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's what she wants. So it's not about the marriage itself. Uh, okay, maybe she just wants to date a lot, like I was saying earlier. So she's uh, she just goes to date with this guy, then this guy, then this guy, and she wants to be comfortable with that here. But it sounds like she wants something more than that, though. So let's just use it. Uh, let's let's get the middle. She's living with a guy. She has a relationship with the guy, but she also wants to go on dates. It sounds like that might hit it closest to the head on what we're talking about, what she wants. She wants uh, a more committed relationship with someone. So let's say she's living with a guy. Yeah. And then while she's living with that guy, though, she wants to feel comfortable going on dates with other guys. Or at least having sex with other guys. So like kind of an open relationship thing. Yeah. yeah. And she wants people to be okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Not judge harshly and ask the right types of questions on the, on the relationship surveys to capture her experience. Yeah. But I also feel like even in that situation, the experience of her going out on a date and there's all sorts of people at the bar saying, what about Jimmy? I feel that's still a rare thing, that that's not happening that much. Yeah, I would be surprised. I mean, here's the thing. How close of friends are they that know you and Jimmy and don't know that you're in this type of relationship? Yeah. True, true. It seems like we have to find that real sweet spot of, I don't know you well enough, like real, just a sheer acquaintance yeah. that you happen to see. Like a Ruby neighbor. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's this, this, this scenario that she's coming up with, it seems very rare. So I think it's not just about like individual people. It's more about society validating. I think that's ultimately her desire, and she wants that validation through scientific study to determine that, yes, their relationships are a little better, which she said, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know why you'd want the validation to this uh, biased, paternal, religious society anyway. Yeah, I mean, you're seeking affirmation you from the wrong it. group of people. I mean, here's the deal: I don't, I don't, I don't seek the affirmation of of people who completely reject my belief system. Why would I want it? It doesn't. It doesn't. It simply doesn't mean anything to me. And so, uh, I mean, I, I think we have seen that culturally, where like there's just a desire to say, "Hey, look, I want you to affirm this." Like, why? For, why? For heaven's sake, why? <laughs> what yeah. does it matter to you whether I affirm it or not? But I think from you, from your standpoint as a Christian, as a believer here, you have no interest in in mandating someone to follow your beliefs. I think this lady is much more firm on, yeah, I would love to eventually mandate or at least uh, make this a part of society, for, forcing everyone to recognize. Ben Foose, you don't want to rec- you don't want to force people to embrace Christianity because that's not Christianity. That's right. All right. However, I think she digs forcing people to recognize her relationship much more than you force th- dig forcing people to recognize Christianity. Yeah. Or, I would say. That's or, the tone. or at least to force the, the language that's in my survey. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, I, I don't know. I, like, um, th- there was so this did actually. Uh, I checked the byline. This did come out a year ago, and it just happened to repopulate on my newsfeed. And there was a guy that reacted at the same time from a, a from an article on Psychology Today, and he said, "Lately, there's been a lot of talk about the fact that monogamy is an outdated, unrealistic, and suffocating institution. After all, we're told human beings simply aren't wired to have only one sexual partner. It's unnatural, unworkable, unrealistic." 
Additionally, even though it's natural to be attracted to other people, when these feelings arise, people tend to feel guilty, or worse yet, that there's something wrong with them, their partners or their marriage. This too, we're told, is the unfortunate side effect of believing that monogamy is the gold standard for relationships. We're also asked to consider that our life expectancy is now much longer than it was in the past. Having sex with only one partner over many decades is likely to become boring and predictable, lacking the passion, sizzle, and intrigue that only a new relationship can deliver. Novelty and variety are the juiciest turn-ons, they say. Plus, lest we forget, life is short. We need to feel passion. We need to feel alive. A new person can break the monotony of routine and bring us back to life. No wonder infidelity is rampant. Time to rethink monogamy, they opine. But I say, not so fast. I've been a marriage therapist in the trenches with on-the-brink couples for over three decades. I'm a regular witness to the fallout of rampant infidelity. I'm here to tell you that infidelity rocks the very foundation upon which a marriage is built. Betrayed spouses experience PTSD-like symptoms. They can't eat, sleep, think, or function. In cultures where infidelity is more accepted, we're told, this extreme reaction doesn't occur. That's another reason we should adopt less parochial views about affairs. Here's what I say to that. We don't live in those countries. We live here. (laughs) When people decide to have affairs to feel more alive, their partners end up feeling like a part of them has died. And while I agree that feeling attracted to people other than your mate is completely normal, even inevitable, it doesn't mean you have to act on it. We have many feelings over the course of our lifetime that we choose not to act on for a variety of reasons. We may not be in control of what we feel, but we certainly are in control of what we do with our feelings. I think it's fine if two people in a relationship wish to expand the definition of their marriage to include other sexual partners. But the catch here is that, in my experience, it's rarely the case that both people are equally enthusiastic about this plan. Typically, if the notion of establishing an open marriage comes up, one person wants it and the other vehemently does not. Then what? Another observation. In contrast to the current thinking that suggests that novelty and variety are the root Uh, At the root of passion and eroticism, and hence a valid reason to rethink infidelity, many of the couples in my practice appear to need to feel safe and secure before they can let themselves go sexually. It's not newness and uncertainty these couples are after. It's the comfort of familiarity, the transparency of genuine communication. Those are the real aphrodisiacs. Uh, Remember, this is psychology today. This isn't Christian Post. Yeah. Impressive. Uh, I mean, obviously, the guy said he's he's okay with you having an open marriage if you can get it to work out. Obviously not a Christian, uh, at least representing here. But in either way, uh, psychology today. And to the question of whether passion fades over time, perhaps it does. That is, of course, unless couples are intentional about keeping passion alive. Long-lasting, sexy marriages are not about hormones. They're about skills. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You bet they are. People need skills Skills. to navigate love's dry spells. (laughs) Your wife is very skilled. (laughs) Tricky. Uh, Furthermore, in relationships where there are children involved, I always find it curious that whenever the topic of having multiple sexual partners in marriage is broached, there's never a mention of how feelings of jealousy or simply working out the kinks in a new marital arrangement might destabilize the marriage and how, in turn, this might impact the couple's children. Erotic exploration has its cost. I wholeheartedly agree that monogamy isn't easy. Nothing in life worth having ever is. And considering the alternatives, I still think monogamy, with all of its imperfections, is the best thing we've got. I mean, I thought it was pretty well said. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it goes back to honesty at the beginning here. If uh, this uh, Allison who wrote the article, she uh, claims that polysexual is who she is. All right? Yep. As in, uh, it's not the action of, oh, I really just uh, want to have multiple partners uh, and date other people, sleep with other people here. No, she claimed in, the arg- in her article that this is who she is. Right. Which means if you're entering in a monogamous relationship at the beginning, a marriage... Uh, you're not being honest from the very beginning because you don't want a marriage. Mm-hmm. You don't. Right. You've 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 settled. Yeah. Uh, and it's think <clears throat> there's something untrustworthy about people that settle like that. Yeah, because it's um, somewhat false from the beginning without establishing parameters. Not establishing parameters. Establishing trust, which is about 
who you are, what you believe. And, uh, yeah, I think, um, I, I think in the end, she really doesn't want to be married because marriage is fundamentally monogamous. You don't want that. No, that's true. Hey, sorry, I was reading. I got a hold of the, of the actual um, study. And so I think maybe they did try to get to this in the data. It says um, a scale measuring investment identifies partners as less invested if they respond affirmatively to the affirmatively to the item. It is likely I will date someone other than my partner in the next year. Um, CNM individuals, CNM means um, uh, whatever, chosen non-monogamous, um, may well already be dating another person or seeking another relationship while being fully committed to another partner. The Passionate Love Scale from 1986, Hatfield and Sprecher, includes the item, I'd get jealous if I thought my partner were falling in love with someone else. This item is based on the assumption that less jealousy about a third party is equivalent to less passionate love. However, researchers have found that CNM individuals may actually experience positive effect in response to a partner finding a new relationship. For example, a partner may feel happy when a loved one is finding joy in other relationships. So that's where they're getting a little better. Sure. So... If they can feel where I might be upset to find that my wife may be entertaining, seeking the company of other fellas, they would be like, oh, well, at least my partner is happy, and that makes me happy. So they're a little better than me. I'm a dealing with mine unhealthily. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the assumption. Again, I, I just feel like you've turned reality on its face there and kicked it a couple yeah, yeah, times. Plus the jealousy data. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I don't, like, what's the implication that, that jealousy is implicitly bad? Because what, what it says is that like, I care about something enough that I do not like it when it is being um, when someone else is, is taking it from me, <laughs> or like, or that I do not get to benefit from the thing that I expect I would. I suppose that there is some inherent selfishness to it, but I don't know that that's particularly bad either. That's the nature of the commitment. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll have a look at the more of the data. Um, Righto. Yeah. Yeah. That's it with that one. I don't have any other respect. I don't know. I don't know. Any overarching. Oh, okay, so wait, wait, go back to my original question. Um, someone comes up to you, good friend of yours, and basically says what our friend Allison has said. I don't know, what, what are your reactions over for coffee? For a personal life decision? Yeah, personal life decision. They hey, want more scientific yeah, data. No, no, yeah, they, they don't care about the data. They're just saying, hey, look, here's the deal. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I think this is the right way to go. Uh, I, you know, your marriage is fine. I'm glad that you love it. But like, um, I, I really think this open thing is, is the way to handle it. I think I'll be more happy. I think it's, it's a little better. Are they already married or not? Are they uh, a single person? No, single person. They've just decided things haven't been working out, and they think it's because they've been trying to overcommit. They just wanted life a little bit better. It's <laughs> Dan, you're welcome to start if you want, <laughs> only because it's just I'm trying to right, right, right. picture a possible scenario where this will come up. It seems rare. However, Dan, what do you think? Well, I, I would tell them that you know God put principles in place to protect you and, and you may not be smart enough to see that right now or, or, or understand it but uh, you will be ultimately much happier in the long term if you follow God's standards and go monogamous yeah monogamous I think uh, and that would be the the certainly the Christian answer that would be bad <laughs> yeah. I, if it's a non-Christian person here well uh, I'd tell from, them they need Jesus first and well, then well yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, within that context but I'm just thinking just to just for the sake of things, just from a purely worldly standpoint, mm-hmm. it's uh, I'm really having trouble thinking of what this person wants. So they're going to come up to me, just this random 24-year-old. I just want to share with you about my life, friend Greg. All right, friend Greg, here's what I'm thinking <laughs> uh-huh. here. I'm not seeing anyone right now. I'm not married, never been married here. But here is what I really want. Yeah, here's, right. what I, here's what I'm thinking is going to work out best. All right, I want monogamy. 
but I don't. Okay? I want someone who I can love and trust completely. But I want to... Uh, I can use the word cheat because uh, Allison doesn't care for that term. That's but, right. But I want to have an open relationship and sleep with other people. All right? While yep. I'm doing that. Yep. While, while I'm in this committed relationship. Yep. I will probably say what you are desiring is, is very unique. And what you are desiring is... Nearly unobtainable. All right. The chances of you actually achieving what you really want, like very, very specifically. So, I mean, if I'm just a worldly, if I'm worldly, Greg, I'm just like, why don't you, dude, why don't you date a bunch of people, sleep around. I mean, that's what worldly Greg would say. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Hold on. What actual, <laughs> hold on. I'm just saying worldly Greg here. All right. Uh, There's ways of doing this. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, it's, it sounds like that's what you really, really want. And I would probably say, it sounds like you just want to sleep with a bunch of people. So why don't you just go ahead and do that? Now, that's worldly Greg. Uh, actual Greg would say, uh, this is not a good idea. This is not um, the best way to proceed only because, Dan, the kind of things you said. First off, let's just focus from a safety standpoint. Let's start from that if we really, really want to focus. They have safer safety. sex, Greg. But because they're not in the monogamous relationship, they have safer sex. More uh, condoms. You forgot. I did not forget. You forgot. I felt that that uh, was a semantic differentiation <laughs> and distinction that I, subtle, I soundly reject. As do you, Ben Foose. No, I do. That's, I, was, I was talking to worldly Greg. Oh, exactly. Friend Greg. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm back to regular Greg now. Okay, sorry. Regular Greg here. Um, regular Greg is saying, uh, per certainly what Dan said here. I mean, Jesus is the obvious answer here. But, but also, uh, it, it's, it's not a safe it's not a safe world you're living in and therefore you have to take actions that are safe and just uh freely having sex with loads of people that's just not that's just fundamentally not safe and that's something that worldly people and non-worldly people and uh and and christians could agree with right yeah right yeah. i i kind of look at the whole thing a, a lot like like the hurricane thing right uh there are uh godly principles put in place for purity to protect us in, in a hurricane you have Government officials saying all kinds of warnings. Uh, you need to evacuate. You need to get out of your house. You need to protect yourself. You need to, you know, they're, they're given specific advice. And there's all these people laying back going, you know, what? I don't think I really want to. I think I, I want to go my own way. I, I want to stay home. Uh, I think I can weather the storm, whatever it is, whatever the reason is, they ignore all the advice. And then the hurricane comes and then the rain comes and then the rivers rise and then their house are flooded. And then they're on top of the roof and they're angry saying, why didn't, government help me and it's because well you ignored all the advice you know you you, you ignored how to stay safe it wasn't it wasn't through uh, wearing uh, safe boots in the hurricane it was to stay away from the hurricane go away get away get out of there mm-hmm. and uh, we want the boast we want we want everything we want to stay home and, and and have the excitement of the storm and not have the effects of this of the storm right. you know and and it's like it just doesn't work that way all right. Dan says your love is a hurricane. Yeah, and plus... Uh, I like write a song. I like Your love is a hurricane. Last, last comment on this. Uh, back to the people who are outside living in the non-monogamous world or having safer sex. Because I think the implication, as we discussed, was people within a relationship are not having safe sex only because there's no reason to and when it comes to STDs and whatnot, right? So... Um, uh, I think what what Dan just described there regarding uh, when everyone's telling you the same thing, 
Everyone's telling the same thing. All right, if you got a hurricane coming, here's what you need to do. You got to get out, get out, get out, get out. You got to do this. And this is coming from professionals, coming from experts. And since all experts agree on the one thing, the more sexual partners you have, the higher your risk for all these things happening, regardless of whether you're actually using safe, whether you're using condom, whether you're using safe techniques within sex. Uh, it doesn't matter. Your risk is fundamentally greater than a person who is in a monogamous relationship here that uh, that are true to one another. And what she did in the article was that clever play of words here. She said people outside uh, who are doing multiple partners, who have multiple partners here, mm-hmm. they're engaging in safer sex than people not. And so using her definition of like condoms and whatnot, that is correct. But that's not the larger picture. The larger issue is which is safer. Yeah. Which is safer? She said engaging in safe sex practices. That's not necessarily the question. She's using a play in words to uh, achieve her point. When the larger question is, which is safer? Yeah. And and everyone agrees, secular, not secular, doesn't matter. Having multiple sexual partners, regardless of safe techniques, is much unsafer than having a monogamous relationship. Yeah, and you notice, actually, that now that I'm thinking about that, um, like it's a, it's a skew of... Um, uh, well, maybe I'll say this differently. It, it, it reveals the source of value. Like, remember uh, what I was just talking about, the, the underlying data and the scale? Um, but the evaluation was, do I feel joy? Am I happy, right? Like, and so it, it really it says that my it, it centers um, happiness is the epic, the thing that everything otherwise then is built around. And so um, Am I, would I be unhappy if I committed to a relationship, a long-term relationship, would I be unhappy if that person started dating someone else? Yes, I would be unhappy. Um, if I was otherwise uh, in a, like a non-committed relationship and that person started seeing someone else, I would be less unhappy because I wasn't committed to them. And so because my happiness is paramount, it's better to have not committed. Basically, the opposite of it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. Uh, it's the opposite of that. It says it's better not to just not take the risk um, – because then you will be more happy because it won't bother you so much that the person that you weren't committed to is stepping out on you. You find yourself often rejecting Bill Shakespeare? Uh, I do. Good. I do. All right. And this affirms that. I, and so, and so I, I guess, and I, I suppose then that that makes, that makes sense, right? Like when you make that, when that's the center, um, I, but I mean, it just seems, it seems screwy. Um, and it denies that there are, um, I think it mischaracterizes our understanding of what happiness is, right? Like it, it says there's no such thing as a mature happiness, right? That there's not an inherent ma- happiness in a sustained relationship. And here's the thing is they would never know that because you didn't commit to it. Like it's the, th- it, it's, uh, um, the uh, sustained benefit of monogamous relationship on like internal peace and happiness um, on being with the same person for 40 years. Uh, you, they will never know. Because they reject that it could be better, and they don't trust the opinion of the person who says it is, because they're the one that sells. So, like, it's actually unanswerable. Like, you, 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 you are. It's it's two two boats clashing in the water, uh, of which you cannot resolve because both of them mistrust it. I would mistrust the other side and say, look, you didn't try this, so how can you tell me that it's better? That seems risky. And they're like, well, yeah, but what you're doing is stupid. This is much better, and I, and they wouldn't know because they didn't try what I did. A uh, difficult. And here's the deal: uh, the, 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 uh, uh, a Jesus worldview solves that because then I say, "Look, Jesus knows better. I don't have your your opinion is irrelevant to me," uh, and this solves the problem here. But like where you can't agree on that, uh, you're simply you're you, like I said, you're throwing boats to water, and like I I don't know that that resolves itself because the, they're inherently conflicting 
and um, they, the never the two shall meet. You're never going to know because you went the one direction rather than the other in your life. That's right. It's just right. going to be impossible. Yep. All right. Uh, we'll speak. Good. We're changing the world here. Uh, let's, let's, let's go to some advice. Um, dear life from the path, there's this woman I've known since I was a child. She's a Jehovah's Witness. I'll call her Beatrice. Good one. She comes by my house every so often to share pamphlets and talk about her religion. She's a casual friend of my mother's who I live with, so I feel I have to let her inside when she's at the door. If it were anyone else, I'd say a polite, no thank you, goodbye, and shut the door. But because it's Beatrice, I'm roped into listening to her spiel. More often than not, Mom's not even a home when Beatrice comes over with her pamphlets because they work similar hours. And each time I find myself trapped into listening to her jabber away while I politely smile and nod. Not only am I non-religious, but I am a member of the LGBTQ community. And I know for a fact that Beatrice shunned a family member after he came out as gay. I don't want to keep pretending I'm interested in listening to her script or even talking to her in general. But I also don't want to ruin my mother's friendship with her by offending her by being honest. Is there a polite way to tell Beatrice that with all due respect I don't want to hear about her pamphlets? And she should come by to discuss them only when my mom's home? Or must I continue to smile and nod politely like I always do? Yeah, I mean, I felt like you did all right here. If, if you don't want to talk to Beatrice, don't talk to Beatrice. Say, look, I'm not interested. Right. That yeah. doesn't seem like a problem. <laughs> it's, it's not. Yeah, that's not on you. I mean, here's the deal. Beatrice probably doesn't think highly of you already. So, I mean, it's not, I, would, I wouldn't be worried about offending her. Yeah, exactly. Um, and frankly, I, are they different pamphlets? How many different pamphlets does she have? Does she have a wide variety? Uh, the Watchtower. <laughs> Watchtower magazine, yeah. So many pamphlets. Yeah. Like every month there's new one, isn't Watchtower. there? Watchtower. Yeah, that's true. They put a Jesus is printing them off in uh, San Jose or wherever, somewhere in New Mexico. They're getting after it. Um, Yeah, yeah, I I wouldn't, um, I mean, all other things aside, I wouldn't sweat this. Look, if you don't want to talk to Beatrice, just when she knocks the door, say, look, I'm just, I'm I'm flat out not interested. My mom will be home at six. I'll see you later. Yeah. It's it's time to go ahead and come out of the closet with your friend. Uh, Yeah. That'll take care of it. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Come out of the closet is in uh, come out as gay or come out of the closet that you want to uh, not talk to her anymore. Well, because uh, she's can, been hiding that too. I, I do both. Do one at a, one, one at a time, <laughs> and and uh, you know if you have to pull the gay card, pull it out. Two big surprises for you. Gay. Yeah, boy. And I don't want to talk to. And you. then you can binocular on Beatrice and watch her go nuts <laughs> at her house. And say, by the way, I like caffeine. Was oh, that a situation? Aren't they big caffeine people too? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Oh man. I switched to decaf. Am I becoming a Jehovah's Witness? Maybe I'm confused. No, that's the Mormons. <laughs> I cannot recall. I know it's Mormons. I yeah, couldn't yeah. recall I what they I do at the Kingdom's yeah, Hall. Well, tell, tell, tell them that you like the, uh, the holidays and uh, you like to give blood. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I accepted blood. I mean... You say the Pledge of Allegiance and... When I, <laughs> when I, yeah, that's right. There you go. But uh, no, I, I thought of like four different methods of how to, how to stop this situation from occurring here. And I think we covered three of them, but the fourth... Uh, I think it's always a good opportunity to have a counter pamphlet. I love counter pamphlets. <laughs> a, a pamphlet on uh, blood transfusions. I have counter pamphlets are great. All right, because do you have some. I mean, I, I mean, are you prepared with such a thing in your house for all kinds of situations? Microsoft Publisher can make trifolds so easy. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. Take this, Klingonson, What would it take for you to produce a series of counter pamphlets for the for the folk? <laughs> for. <laughs> What's his name? The, the subject. I'll hop on it. Okay. All right. I'll, Count, I'll come up with a list. We'll put them on pamphlets. the. We'll put them on the website. People All can right. use them as they see fit. <laughs> <laughs> a line of counter pamphlets for life in the path. All right. Um, Secular says no rule of etiquette demands that you listen to Beatrice's religious diatribes. All you need to say to her is, "My mother isn't home, and I'm not interested in taking your pamphlets or hearing you preach." Because you're a friend of mom's, come back when mom is home, and be sure to call first. 
Yeah, see, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to really think this through, and I, you can have some fun with this. Yeah. You, you know, it has nothing to be torturous. Just say, here's the deal. We'll, I'll listen to you, but let's do Easter eggs together. We're, we're going to decorate Easter eggs, and every every time they, she comes <laughs> over, it has to be something that they're diet, you know, just just playing opposed to. And uh, we're we're going to say everywhere. the pledge before we 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 can talk and and that type of thing. What could someone do? So let's say Dan, let's say you were going door to door knocking and trying to get people to talk about Jesus. Uh, what could they do to you that would be similar? That would be offensive. I, uh, offensive. I suppose, like if 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 uh, you know someone took their top off, I'd I'd feel like the need to leave pretty quickly. Okay, that's fair, right? Something um, something directly that you just can't stand. Yeah, for. Yeah, like like I just this this just isn't a good idea. Yeah. you know. <laughs> Dan, Dan um, runs away, going, I can't abide. And then, <laughs> <laughs> Dan, pull on the Joseph. Good work out of you. That's right. <laughs> I can't think of anything anyone could say to me <laughs> she's, though. She's got an Iowa shirt in her hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's inappropriate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess like we just don't run the we don't run the same risks short of them trying to get you to sin. Yeah, I mean, I just don't get offended about stuff. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, she she could they could uh, hand me a beer. I'd probably like, well, okay, I'll drink it with you. I mean, you know, but I'm not going to show. Give me six of them. I'll probably be like, okay, we got to slow this down. You know. <laughs> um, uh, hey, uh, can you read that uh, the last sentence uh, from the? Uh, the the response once more time. Secular's time. advice. Uh, it says oh, the advice. Yeah. Yeah. She says all you need to say to her is my mother isn't home and I'm not interested in taking your pamphlets or hearing you preach because you're a friend of mom's. Come back when mom is home and be sure to call first. All right. Uh, read that last part about the counter pamphlet. <laughs> is that not in there? No. No. Oh. That well, you made that up. Dang it. That wasn't part of the legit <laughs> advice. Uh, I thought there was a counter pamphlet. No. No. <laughs> I, I assume ingenious that I idea. misheard. Did I mishear? You never you've said you've come up with an idea and then put it in someone more legitimate's mind uh, and writing so I that sure, it seems sure more did. legitimate you to you. It? You're not buying it? No. Uh, that boost. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Here we go. Uh, dear. Oh, hey, you know what? I didn't I didn't go over that Paul thing. Hey, so so real quick. So Paul, in, in Acts, uh, last chapter of Acts, Acts 28, uh, Paul makes it through. But he's going to Rome. He knows he's going to Rome. The, 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 Jesus shows up and tells him he's going to Rome. So he sits in prison for two years. Uh, they finally, he, he appeals to Caesar. He's on his way to go to Rome, and there's all kinds of problems. Uh, it both ship wrote, uh, a shipwreck on Malta. By the way, so I was looking up that term for barbarian. I don't, we were talking about this recently. We were. We were talking about Malta four weeks ago. Th- that's right. Three so, weeks ago, yeah. So, so the, 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 the origination of the term barbarian is, so the way the Bible uses it, and the way that, that um, around that time would use it, is basically anybody who doesn't speak Latin or Greek. Oh, okay. Right? And so, and the reason they call them barbarians is from, like, they, they're, um, it's almost like a mockery of them, but it's like a their version of what they say sounds like bar 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 like that. New King James says natives. Uh, yeah, no, ESV says something else. It's bar, well, the, the 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 root word is bar, is really barbarian. Oh, okay. They chose so they chose though, natives um, to, so as not to be offensive to like our modern ears, but like it isn't know. even intended to be offensive. Then it's it's just an explanation of a language of yeah. which they don't speak. Greek or Latin. Sure. Anyway, okay. Uh, so he gets out of there and he makes his way up uh, over. Um, Let's see to the east, uh, west side of Sicily, and ultimately to Naples. And he starts walking, and like, I mean, it's just it's like a throwaway sentence in here. But it says that the brothers came down and they visited him, and Paul was encouraged, and then Paul continued on to Rome. And and like like I said, there's there's two things that I, that I walked away with, and I um, the first one was you notice that like in that part of Acts, it doesn't say they didn't do anything, like nothing changed in Paul's life. Mm-hmm. They didn't give him anything, as far as we know. Uh, it didn't alter his journey. They didn't keep going with him. Like, it's just they showed up, and it said Paul was encouraged, and then he kept on his way. And I thought, like, uh, what that put in my mind was 
is one the power of just being somewhere. And Michael, Michael, tell you this: this Mike and his family are really good at this. Um, and he's he's told me this like multiple times. He's like, uh, look, we just we, we're the the, the Pleasantville Foos just show up. Like that's what we can do. Like some we can't do everything, but we can be somewhere. And so like when people leave for trips, those they'll be at the airport mm-hmm. for ten minutes and then go home, <laughs> right? Like they're they're that that's what they do. And so like um, there's something just very strong about being there. And like I think I I've always have in my mind. I kind of have this expectation is like I don't have anything to offer really. Like people have friends around, they got family around and like whatever the various situations, like what am I going to do? I'm going to show up there and like, well, you're a lucky bins here. <laughs> I, and then like, I don't have any wisdom here. I don't have any presence. Yeah, that's right. I'm not bringing anything. And I think, well, I don't, what are we going to go for? But like, I, I don't know. I feel like that part, it jumped, maybe it's just jumping out at me personally, but like it jumps out at me and says, yeah, it's okay. It's just being there is good. Paul's encouraged, even though absolutely nothing changes about his life. He didn't get good advice. He didn't get any presence. He's just encouraged that people came and then he keeps heading on and, 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 and goes about his business and ends up in front of Caesar or whatever. Um, and the second thing was is uh, – well, I suppose it's a couple of that. One is, is to be there, and, and the second thing is um, like it doesn't take much, and you don't have to do much always. Like don't – I think sometimes um, – and this is – again, this is probably me. I hesitate simply because I'm like, what good will it do? And, you know, maybe, maybe I'll just take the risk and say, look, it'll, it may not do any, but it may do a lot. And so, like, can I, can we just default with maybe I'll write the letter, maybe I'll make the phone call, maybe I'll show up to the coffee, maybe I'll go to the funeral, maybe I'll go to the airport. Like, what's what we're talking 15 minutes out of a day to have your face show up to say, look, I cared enough to drag my behind out to whatever this is, just and I, even if I have no wisdom at all, just to shake your hand, say hello, and leave. And so I, I don't know, like it's um, it could have been just been something that's been hanging with me, but I it, it, and it felt kind of it wasn't like the main point of the <laughs> of Acts twenty eight, um, but it just made me think that like there's there's a lot of little things that uh, that maybe we feel like we have a high bar we have to to cross. We actually have to f- be useful, but like it's it's all right just to be there. And when was the last time you received a hard paper thank you card? Uh, I mean. Uh, like really? Um, not related to like gifts and like there were gifts and everything. No birthdays, like no, like, not, no. Yeah, just, birthdays and, and and stuff. Not related to that. like uh, real actual thank you card. Dan, same question for you. No, no, I, I can't. Mm. Uh, a text. Like I've got t- text. Does that text, count? emails. No, no. Hard thank, thank you card. card. Uh, it, it, it's work. It would have been yeah. work related. Like at my job, um, and probably like two years ago. Did was that uh, was that more meaningful than a text? Oh yes, definitely. A handwritten note. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Dan Hudson, what about you? I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember. Been so long. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's, I. I'm a teacher, so I get some handwritten thank you cards. Yeah. Every year here, and uh, they are some of the most meaningful things. It's just first off because you know you hear about this generation that doesn't do anything that doesn't write at all, at all like handwrite yeah. anymore. Handwriting is dead. No one does cursive anymore. Yeah. Uh, but it's not, it's not true, Greg. No, I think it. I think it is. No, it is true. <laughs> for for the most part, which actually makes the thank you cards you do receive, and this is and this is actually gift related here. Yeah. When when I give them just like a, a letter that I say, hey, good luck, and I give them some advice and whatnot. But sometimes it is out of nowhere. Just hey, it was a great year. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and they're incredibly meaningful. So to your point. Uh, yeah, I should write that letter. Yeah, yeah, I should just go and show up here. Especially in 2018, I, I feel that we're living in a 
we're so connected and yet we're so isolated. I think this this paradox is something that people have, people much smarter than me have spoken to many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are part of this great uh, community, not just a digital community, but just actual neighborhood communities, and yet we're so isolated as well. And so when we have those opportunities to do something that stands out, even if it seems so tiny, I think it's worth doing. And so even 2,000 years ago, Paul traveling up through uh, through Italy, stopping by here, Paul was encouraged. Why? Because he was just there. Yeah, there are people there. And and I have to assume, it didn't say Paul encouraged. It said Paul was encouraged. Yeah, yeah, right. right? Yeah, they encouraged him, yeah. Now, I have to assume it was reciprocal. But Well, I'm but, sure they're but, excited to see him, but, yeah. But yeah, that that's that's it's going to happen for both parties. But yeah, get after it. Yeah. I like that. And I like the, the the letters. We actually were talking about this in reaction, like part of the takeaways of, of Acts 28 and like, uh, about writing writing a letter is like it's 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 a uh, phone calls are good but they they do fade like you forget the words you forget the voice but like something you can hold like that that serves as encouragement not only the day you're holding it but a week later and a month later and two years later um it's there's something about having something tangible to hold on to and like searching back through your text message to find it isn't the, it's just not it's not quite the same yeah, I wrote I did handwritten I did um like long form handwritten Christmas cards a couple of years ago. Um, and that was good. It was a cool. It was a, it was a good exercise. And then I got lazy and I couldn't. I didn't do it again. <laughs> but like, um, it was um, yeah. There's just something about and like I, I mean some of it like it's not just a, a a nostalgia thing. Like it is. There's something about it. There's something like I've put physical things into a sheet of paper and mailed it, and then something that you get to hold and look at. And that um, that even seeing the seeing your name signed at the bottom or seeing the envelope that it comes in. Like your name carries power. Your you, how you treat people carries something very strong with it. And so, like, um, I got plenty of people whose name pops on my phone that I don't, even, I won't even consider answering. But then there's a few people who, if I see it on the phone, I'm like, heck yeah, <laughs> I and like a, a letter in the mail from them might be good. And like even to churches, actually, when we um, a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half, no, it was two years ago, as a church, like we sent it, we tried to send some encouraging things to other other people, like whether it be missionaries or churches or whatever. Um, just writing something down and putting and saying, look, hey, we're, we're praying for you. Because, like, that was the, uh, I think we were studying Philippians, and, like, that's what it was. It was an encouragement to another church, and we thought, well, heck, we could do that. We should do that. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, it just, anyway, and th- those are my takeaways from it. And I, I thought it was, it was relatively minor in the story, but, like, I think the implications are pretty, uh, could be pretty impactful. And the, even if you change something minor about your day-to-day life and say, yeah, I'm going to write the letter and make the phone call, I'm going to show up to the thing, uh, just know it makes a difference. Uh, yeah. Dang it, Ben Foos. Yep, makes a difference. You have now changed uh, casual Hudson policy. Well, bummer. All right, <laughs> because a casual Hudson policy, for example, I'll tell you, three weeks ago, friends came over, just had a baby. Yep. All right, had a baby gift for him, right? Yep. And uh, I don't like writing thank you cards very much. I don't think anyone really likes after a big event where you have to write like 100 of them. No, well, one sure, yeah. That. So my, I give them the gift. And then I give them a second gift. It's a blank piece of paper. I say, hey, sign the bottom of that. They're like, okay. And so he signed it. And then I took the paper back. I quickly said, I quickly wrote, thank you for the gift, Greg and Kelsey Hudson. (laughs) And then I folded it up. I gave it to them. And then I said, give that to me. And then they gave it to me. And it said, thank you, Greg and Kelsey Hudson. Signed, Zachary. (laughs) And it was was great because it's a a fun little thing here. And yet that actually deprives some meaning from thank you cards. I mean, they so could write it. They could write their own, uh, yeah. but I would say you invested in that conversation more than most people would, and so I, you're, you're probably all right I'm there. I'm probably safe. If you're looking for ways to, to, to apply, I, you might let that one go. Thank There's you. probably other things you can oh, do. 
<laughs> that's a that's a Hudson favorite. Okay. Uh, thank you card. What a great secondary gift. Anyway. All right, here we go. Let's finish this out. Dear life in the bath. I'm really upset about something my best friend did involving a cruise that's planned for next February. Because of financial setbacks, we can no longer afford the trip. She went ahead and paid for our cruise. I was so upset I called the travel agent, tried to cancel the trip, but was informed it was non-refundable. So now we are locked into a cruise that's still going to cost us $1500 or more in other expenses while we are on the cruise. I like to pay my own way and have never asked anyone for help or money. She said it was a gift, not a loan, and I was being ungrateful, so I finally accepted the gift. Now I'm going to have this hanging over my head. It's putting us in more financial trouble, so we are trying to get a loan to cover the extra expenses. I don't think I can enjoy the trip now. Am I ungrateful? She's yes. been my best friend for more than 40 years, and I don't want this to affect our friendship. What should I do at this point? Yes, I agree with Dan. You're ungrateful. Knock it off. So, like, if you have to get a part-time job, put 100 bucks away a month, you got a year, right? Didn't they yeah, say Feb- next year? February, so you got five months. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, you know, you can figure out a way. I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if it really bothers you. Sell widgets, have a garage sale. I don't know. Rice and beans, as Dan, Dave Ramsey yeah, would say. Rice and right. beans for five months, and you're going to live like a king or queen on that cruise, as it were. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 50, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, let him pay for it if you want and, to. And how are there $1,500 more expenses on a cruise? I guess I haven't been on a cruise, but I mean. The excursions play, play, play and stuff. Right, right there, there, I assume. Yeah. Just stay on the boat. Uh, you don't well, have to do that stuff. Yeah, the extra thing. You're right. Um, but like the maybe it's like Greg saying the transportation to get there. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, they yeah, have yeah. those stupid yeah. porter fees, you know. So everybody's got to pay like those random fees and tips yeah. and yeah. things. Yeah, it adds up. You know, I got it's two of them, right? Four hundred plus four hundred, so yeah. eight hundred for flights. Plus, yeah, it's probably going to cost another fifteen hundred bucks, maybe. Worst case, thousand at least. Uh, it's two of them, right? Yeah, that's what it sounds like, anyway. But no, that's that's an amazing. I mean, I agree with you guys. I mean, it's what a what a great gift. And I have found that well, actually, no one's ever really given me a fifteen hundred dollar gift or anything. <laughs> but if somebody offers that, uh, I, I believe they mean it. People do not toss around fifteen hundred gifts lightly. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, you've been friends for forty years. Like, it doesn't it, it doesn't seem to be a person who's like intending yeah. to actually deceive you and hang this over your head. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I accept the gift and, uh, you know. Um, Write a handwritten thank you card. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Dear, to whom it may concern. Um, yeah, I mean, like, and, and, you, I agree. It may take some effort to get the 1500 bucks, and that's a, bu- that's a bummer. Um, but, you know, it's not three grand because it sounds like they paid for half of the trip. So, you know, yeah, yeah, get the job. Get the job. Uh, save on Christmas and then use this as your Christmas present. Like, oh, they, here's the deal: is like I'd like um, I know in fifteen hundred dollars, it, it's frankly it's just not that much money to be honest. Like uh, a part time job at at, uh, at the Taco Johns, you just still come up with it a reasonable amount of time. Um, and I, I'm not sure what the situation is, but like I mean, in a pinch, fifteen hundred dollars can be come up with ten hours a week. Taco Johns, yeah, hundred yep. bucks after taxes, seventy bucks a week. Yeah, ten you're weeks in. is seven hundred bucks, so twenty weeks, yeah. It's not, it's not fun, but you're gonna. That's what you're building for. Yeah. And plus, it sounds like if you've been friends for forty years, they really. This sounds like kind of a bucket list trip. Yeah. 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 Not like in the death sense, but like, <laughs> hey, we've always wanted to do this together. Let's mm-hmm. do this. Don't deprive the joy of someone offering you a fantastic gift because they want to spend great time with you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, secular said. Oh shoot, I lost it. This is why Mike does this type of thing. Uh. Now, that wasn't from my wife, was it? Because we're supposed to go on a cruise in a year and a half or so with some friends. I'd like to know if they paid for our cruise. Uh, No, I mean, it does not say. I feel disappointed right now. 
Oh man, I lost it. Oh, I feel like uh, this is absolutely about you. But one more, one more point on the cruise. Um, I mean, everything that we talked about, and going back to what said Paul encouraged. I mean, this yeah. is certainly not a spiritual thing that's happening here. However, your mere presence, being there, is encouraging someone else, and I yeah. feel like that should be a factor here. Yeah, Man. yeah, and, and that that might cost you a little time and effort, but it's worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Secular says, your generous friend acted on impulse without considering the fact that even with her paying your fare, the cruise would still cost you money. Forgive her for her mistake. Take the trip and do your best to enjoy it so you don't ruin the trip for her. <laughs> they bought a cruise. Darn them all the heck. Blast. <laughs> 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 all right. You've been listening live from the path. Big thanks to uh, Greg Hudson for joining us this evening. Word. And uh, let's see. Uh, you know, we'll do a show as when we darn well please. <laughs> Hopefully within the next few weeks. Uh, in the meantime, be faithful in the means and God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.